What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boss's Key Party, we are joined by the Elan USA Marketing and Product Manager, Ben Fresco. Ben started at Elan in 2018, and since then, the brand's seen a big reemergence across all ski categories, especially in the free ride market with the Ripstick series. Elan just celebrated their 75th anniversary as a ski brand. Most of you probably don't know, but not only did they build the very first shaped ski, but they also originally built skis to help defeat the Nazis. Just listen to the episode. I promise it's going to make sense. Even though Elan is based in Slovenia, I think Ben and everyone else at Elan USA deserves a little bit of credit for all the really cool stuff that they have going on. We're also recording this episode fresh off a trip to the Elan factory right outside Bled, Slovenia, where George, Matt, and myself got to see the production process of Elan skis, and to say we were thoroughly impressed would be an understatement. Super fun conversation with my good homie, Ben Fresco. Enjoy the show. Holla. It is what it is, man. 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 It's cheap, too. The that's pretty good. Oh, well, thank you very much. It is. It, it's really odd. Like when you listen to it back, like your first fifteen minutes, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, is that what I sound like?" <laughs> I, it's turn the so, beat up, turn me down. So when you watch the presentation at ISC, it's like, "Oh my god, that's my voice. Oh my god, that's how fat I am." <laughs> <laughs> right, the fat back people thing going on. Like the pack because the, the microphone is the yeah. head, head one. It's like yeah, Frank back there. Oh. oh, my God, that's my voice. Oh, my God, look how fat I am. <laughs> the camera adds more than 10 pounds. Oh, dude. I hope. <laughs> I mean, think about how weird fucking certain celebrities actually look like in real life before they get on camera. Sure. Yeah. The amount of work that goes into making them look the way they look. Oh, my God. So much makeup. So much time in the, in the chair in front of yeah, the mirror. Yeah, not eating. Just being fucking Yeah, miserable. being star- starving during the, during the movie. We think we're supposed to look like really starving, fucking hungry people. <laughs> <laughs> Just chock full of drugs. I mean, when Chris Evans came in to Ski Monster and bought a snowboard, that was the, the first thing I thought. I mean, obviously, good looking dude. Like, great, obviously, in shape, Captain America. But, man, in the Marvel movies, they make him look huge. Like he's like six fucking nine. Yep. He, he's not. Nope. Who's the most famous person that's ever come in? <sighs> Probably I mean, Chris Evans. I mean, Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer, yep. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Kiefer. Uh, yeah, he said he, he was wearing like a big man satchel and everything. I yeah. think we were didn't at, have Didn't have an appointment. I think that was during free skier. Yeah. Yeah. And when, then we made him make an appointment and come back later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eli didn't know who he was. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what's the name of the appointment? He's like, I don't have one. And he's like, well, what are you looking for? And I can find an opening for you. And he's like this. And he's like, we have an opening at this time. He's like, great. What's your name? He's like, um, Kiefer. He's like, and your last name, Kiefer. Uh, Sutherland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Funny. Audrey. I fit ski boots for Geraldo Rivera. Really? Ooh. Yeah. It was odd. He was on the telephone the entire time. It's like. No shit. Size nine. Wow. No shit. Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't sound like a great experience. No, very unpleasant. What did, you, what did you get? Do you remember? Oh, God. It was forever ago. It was like when Technica was making like an, you know, tech 3.2 or whatever it was like really really just like where, where was that uh village ski loft in incline village nevada so i lived in Tahoe <laughs> for 
almost 17 years. Yeah, I remember, years. I remember you saying that. Yep. Um, so he was a Tahoe guy, huh? Interesting. Uh, I think he was probably just there to... To ski know, for the weekend to or ski whatever. for a weekend. Yeah. Yep. We had a couple of locals like uh, Larissa the Teenage Witch. Ooh. Yep. She was like a regular. That's kind of sick. Was she cool? Yeah, she was super cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Brady Anderson from the uh, Orioles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mark Grace from the Cubs. Wow. There's like a couple ball players out there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, isn't it <laughs> you that has Anderson. that like classic Anderson. crazy like uh, baseball card or whatever to get had, into? Had. 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 I'm, I'm a little sad, but it's like a one-year deal. And it, it looks exactly like a passport, and it has a little card inside, and you show up at any ballpark, any day, any game, outside of the playoffs, um, and it entitles you to two tickets, and it's like two best available. Wow. What? So season ticket. How did you get that? Uh, I have a buddy who's a umpire. He's a crew chief. Uh, name's Bill Miller, and um, I sold him ski equipment one year, and like he was a regular at the store. And we developed a friendship and like he gave me his number one day and I'm going to, I can't, I can't remember what year it was. Year Mariano Rivera re- retired. Okay. Um, my dad and I have been trying to knock off all the ballparks uh, cool. together. So we were like, Hey, let's go to Houston. Maybe Mo will pitch. Maybe we'll see like his last pitch, something like that. Mm-hmm. And my dad got there the day before and he calls me. He's like, Hey, do you know Bill Miller? Is that the guy that you helped? I was like, yeah. He's like, He's, he was uh, doing the dish tonight. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. This is Ben from Village Ski Left in Incline Village. I'm on my way to Houston right now. I'm going to be at the next two games. Um, and you told me, reach out if I were ever at a, at a game that you were doing. And sure shit, he calls me back like 1 o'clock in the morning. Like I land in Houston. He's like, cool, I'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow. We get the call. Go to this door. And wait. Guy okay. opens the door from the Astros, go down the tunnel into the umpire's room, crack a couple of Bud Lights. Sick. Like, meet the crew for that night's game. No shit. Yeah. And then he's like, and they sit in there and they play cards. Right? They like to, you know, hanging out just before the game. They don't get ready till like 10, 15 minutes before. And then he walks us out on the field for batting practice. And it's like, Jeter, A Rod, Mo. You guys are all looking at me like I'm an alien because I'm talking about the Yankees in Boston. No, it's fine. This is fucking cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And since then, I've been out on the field a couple of times. Um, he gives me a shout when he's in Boston. He's got a couple of favorite places around here. Yeah. Um, and we try to get together once or, once or so a year. And whenever he needs ski, ski equipment, he calls. Dude, that is awesome. It's a great relationship to have, right? And that he's is a, really cool. Cool dude, too. Like, we call just to check in sometimes. So I never thought that was a thing. I, I mean, how would you know? Like, you just get, like, a little, like... Golden ticket. Yeah. You just show up and they give you the two best available seats. That's fucking sick. Yep. Yep. The only place I had trouble using it was Fenway. Yeah. I checked. And yeah, it was like opening day though. I like can see that. New people. They're like, look at this thing. And they're like, no, this is, yeah. this isn't, this doesn't work. Here. Uh, how many of all the parks you've been to, which, which one do you like the best so far? Um, Pittsburgh. Really? Pittsburgh has the best stadium. It's like, it's smaller. Um, kind of right, right, like where the three rivers meet, right? Yep. Yeah. So like the backdrop, you know, I had great seats right behind home plate. So the backdrop's beautiful. Um, the surrounding neighborhoods are pretty cool. Food's good. Yeah, people are fun. Uh, Seattle's pretty good too. Mm. Go to go to a game. Go see Jeff, and uh, go to a Mariners game in like late June, and it's like light till ten. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. The, I, I went to the the San Francisco Giant Stadium, and that was pretty cool. Yep. Whenever I, I guess I, I haven't been to many. The one takeaway that I that I do get when I go to a different baseball stadium or any 
well, I guess baseball stadium is that is you realize how Fenway Park is like not a baseball stadium. No, it's not a baseball stadium. No, stadium is the wrong word. It's the wrong word. Park is it's the right. A, it's Fenway Park. Doesn't make it any less, right? No, like, it's still an awesome place. But when you go to San Francisco and you're like, this is a legit fucking stadium. Yep, it's massive. Yep, that was kind of like the home game for me when I lived in Tahoe. We'd go down a couple times a summer. Yeah, um, that's how you guys met, right? Like in a roundabout way, like a baseball, like video game. No, that was Brian. That, oh. that was that was one of my other uh, one of our other roommates. Oh, got it. Yeah, no, he he lived on the same hall, um, floor as us freshman year, and the first you know couple weeks of school, like I was always go by his, his room and his doors open, and he's just playing MVP baseball. I, mm-hmm. I remember, I can't remember which. Yeah, pod, and pod and, and so like one day I like randomly just like I was like fuck it, I'm just gonna go in and just say you want to play. So I went and sat next to him. He's like, "What's up?" And I'm like, "You want to play MVP baseball?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like. That sounds that sounds cool. <laughs> so we started. So we just started playing, <laughs> and 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 that year, I mean, baseball. The thing Manny Ramirez is on the cover. I, I can like picture it. That um, Barry Bonds wouldn't wouldn't sell his rights to EA Sports. So they had this guy that played for the Giants. His name was Jim Dowd, <laughs> and he was this massive, like this like you know video game character guy. And uh, but he was like a cheat code, so he would hit home runs like regardless. It doesn't matter what, as long as you had the timing right in the PlayStation. It would just it would hit a home run. So like the, the the joke was forever. It was like you can't play with Jim Dowd because that first time that we met, I played with just randomly got the Giants play with Jim Dowd, and my buddy Brian was like, "Dude, fuck you!" Like like you know like it was this whole thing. And then I'm like, "Did we just did you just smash our controller and did we just become best friends?" I think we did. <laughs> that that was the story of how I met Brian Schmidt. Brian, know you're listening. So yeah, Jim Dude, Dowd. What brothers. podcast did you tell this story on? I don't know. Uh, I can blister? picture like where I was. Oh, listening. maybe Blister. I think it was Blister. Maybe Blister. Maybe you've been doing other podcasts. Maybe it was on Blister. He's cheating on you, Garrett. Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Benjamin Fresco, dude, stoked that you're here. Happy to be here. Welcome to the Boston Ski Party. Um, Your first pod, which is awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah, it feels good. It does. Feels really good. I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) You look great. You look great. Um, So I met you. Um, I think the, the first time that we like really had any interactions was our first free skier, which I think was your second. I th- in that role, uh, in I, this role, I think it was my first. Oh. I didn't do it year. No, it was a uh, spring of no because the, no no because the first your first free skier, I, I believe, is when Berkowitz was there and George and I didn't go. Oh, okay. And then the the next year was our first free skier, and then that's when we met, well, really kind of had a, a lot of interaction with you on that trip, because we got that epic, I still, it's still one of the best photos that Matt has captured. Where we were hiking that yeah, really, really yeah, small and, and, and Smain, and, and, and Berkowitz made Smain and, and uh, Steve Brown, like, hike yep. up, and then you, me, and George sat in the Adirondack, Adirondack chairs drinking oh, yeah, beers. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good one, dude. George, like, George's nipples made an appearance. Yeah, George, oh, George, George had his shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> I joked with Jeff that I was going to do this shot shirtless. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's way too many photos of me touching my nipples. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forgot. I, I, I brought it up because um, I wanted to show it to you, and I just I honestly didn't even think that George was was shirtless until you said that. But he's, de- he's definitely. Oh shirtless. my god! Oh, for sure. <laughs> We're yet to have anybody peel tarp in the studio. So yeah, it's be, true. You could be, be the if first. You want to be a first? No, I'm going to save that for somebody else. <laughs> but um, George should break jo- the ice jo- on that one. <laughs> Facts. But Giorgio met you. Yeah, dude, I met you uh, in 2015 on that uh, K2 Sosfe trip. Yeah, good trip, right? Oh, my God, it was incredible. Um, <laughs> got so much snow, we couldn't ski one day. Yeah. 
Um, what was that bar you guys went to? Like Club Poison or something like that? that I think that <laughs> actually is what it was called. <laughs> that was the last night, wasn't it? It was the last night. Yeah. And if you Google Club Poison, <laughs> Sasfe, October 2015, you can find photos of Ben and I there yeah. for sure. Shirtless. Um, <laughs> I, hopefully not. <laughs> I think it was Davies that it, the rest of us were his bodyguards. I, John, John Davies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Davies was at Powder at the time. Um, so where were you? Like, who did you work for at the time? I worked for Village Ski Loft, and we were in Incline Village, Nevada, so northeast okay. corner of Lake Tahoe. Okay. And I lived there for about 16 years. Okay. And I, I started, well, back up a little bit, left uh, college, uh, graduated from St. Mike's, and really knew that I wanted a career in the ski industry. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I need to get experience somehow. So I'm going to work for a ski retailer. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of buddies that were like, hey, we're moving to Lake Tahoe. Uh, do you want to go? And it was like, yes. So what year, what year <laughs> uh, is this? Uh, two th- fall of 2001. 2001. Okay. Yep. Move out to Lake Tahoe. Yep. Uh, land a job. You know, start my way in rentals. And then, you know, start fitting ski boots, selling skis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the manager at the time left. And that became my job along with a couple other guys. You know, we okay. all co-managed the store, and then that led into buying, mm-hmm. and God, that was a long time. It was a great time. It was a, it was a really, really good learning experience, and I got to do a bunch of really good skiing, right? Winters were in Lake Tahoe are tough to beat. Yeah. Long. Long, deep sometimes. You know, yeah. the drought years are rough, but like when you see an 800-inch winter, mm-hmm. it's almost too much. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know? That's a, that's a tough problem to have in the ski industry, but yeah. it's like shoveling every day, all day for like five days straight. So, wow. Yep. So you started there in 2001 Yep. and you were there through when? Uh, summer of 2017. Okay. And then I moved to the new London area in, uh, in New Hampshire. Got it. Got and it. And then Alon was fairly quickly after that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I did a year, uh, at golf and ski warehouse, mm-hmm. um, as one of their buyers and then ran into Jeff at a focus group meeting. Got um, it. Which I think you guys were at. It was, it was here in Boston. Either that. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That, that was the first time I met Melania. Um, yeah, I, I walked through the door and Jeff is there and he's like, what the hell are you doing here? And I was like, well, I moved back to New Hampshire, be a little closer to my family. And, um, couple days later, he's like, hey, can you talk? Um, we're building a team here. Like, maybe you'd like to be part of it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So and random. Hard, hard yes. <laughs> and, to like bring, <laughs> and to bring this back around, Jeff is the guy that invited us to Sasfe, Switzerland, yep. with K2. Yeah, when he, was at, when he was at K2. When he was at K2. Yep. Yeah. He's now at Elan. He's yep. now the president of Elan, North America. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Um, but you and Berkowitz, who... Uh, it's not here today, but you and Berkowitz go further back than that. Yes. You guys go back to your, your dog days of uh, Adatash, Adatash, New Hampshire. Yeah, place hasn't changed since. Um, <laughs> still the same lifts? <laughs> still the same lifts. Um, yeah, I grew up in the Mount Washington Valley in North Conway, New Hampshire. Okay. Right? For those that aren't familiar, a little resort town that's now a lot bigger resort town, but great place to grow up if you want to ski. Um, and my parents. Now, was, was, he the same, was he the same renegade on skis back then with a backpack full of camera gear and, and shit talking or what was he was he different renegade yes camera gear no <laughs> um, you know so i had a lackluster ski racing career and then you know stop stop doing that started skiing bumps and that's really when berkowitz and i became close okay um and it was like early 
days of park, right, where like the the, hand, the half pipe was hand dug and like the jumps were mm-hmm. all flat landings. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's where we met and we skied together for for a long time. Um, and we were working, you know, teaching at Attach, teaching younger kids to, uh, how to ski, and then like kind of teaching like the first freestyle program stuff, and mm-hmm. basically skiing a lot of bumps. Yeah. yeah. So, um, when you were, uh, you know, that shop kid from our shop kids, probably not the right way to say it. When you were a shop dude, um, in those years, um, what was your impression of Alon back then? There wasn't much of an impression. Um, you know, I knew of them from actually when Berkowitz and I were skiing together, right? They had the SCX, mm-hmm. um, the ski that really changed side cut for the entire industry. Right. Um, and really didn't see much, uh, hear much about them except for like the triple nine, the ten ten, the boomerang, like those years. And, but it was always kind of a brand in Tahoe that like it had mm-hmm. a musical rep. Um, you know, so it was, it was, you know, not talked about a lot. I didn't, I didn't even yeah. know where to find him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you said that because it, it's funny. Cause when, when we first started, when we were doing similar things that you were doing, um, the, the store that we were working for with at the time, like it was a big Elan account. So we, we were introduced to the brand, you know, fairly early on in our ski careers and not just yeah. like one or two models. We were introduced to like pretty much the whole catalog and yeah. like, you know, from speed wave and then the, the Magfire years. And even before that, like you know, all the race skis and then, you know, Ultimately, the the first ripstick was like we had stacks of those that no one really probably knows that right. we had stacks of the the original ripstick, yeah. um, and it was funny you know as we kind of grew into the into the industry how we didn't realize that that more people weren't weren't aware of the Elan brand like we were, no and they had they when they did the whole team green thing yeah. um, that must have been in what do you think two thousand five two thousand six somewhere around there and they came out with triple six mm-hmm. I think it was the first one. And that was um, right around when Mantra was coming out as well. But the triple six was a bad ass ski. It was sick. Oh my god! It had, had like that. Had it was all well, team green for sure. But then it had like this this tribal tattoo. It, and that's when sheet. tribal yeah. tattoos and like um, you know, I mean, that was like the thing. Like it was if you got thing. a tattoo, you got a tribal tattoo, and they had it right on the freaking skis. Yeah, and it was it was seventy six millimeters underfoot, which seemed wide at the time. Which was wide. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you could get it flat. Dude, isn't it crazy, crazy, like, selling skis back then? How, like, you know, you would be between, like, essentially, like, a centimeter was, like, you know, oh, front side. Oh, you go, you like skiing in soft snow? Oh, you can go a couple millimeters wider. Yeah. Like, the range was just so much smaller. Yeah. I, I think li- uh, living and working in Lake Tahoe, we ha- we skewed on, like, the widest end. Yeah. But yeah. The number of uh, K2 recons. Yeah. That you could sell in a year was shocking. Oh my God. For, yeah. For nine ninety nine. Yep. The, it like the, with binding, the, the, with binding, the yeah. Rossi triple X, like at 90 underfoot. That was a fat ski. At Insane. The time. Yeah. That was my first pair of fat skis. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> like, yeah. What was I doing before? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that triple six, I think for us was like a big kind of like starting point for what we kind of thought skis would, would become or what, where they would go, um, which is pretty rad. And I, I mean, I think they, and then, you know, you weren't there at the time, but I think Alon definitely had, had a couple of missteps after that triple six. Well, they so, got rid of the triple six, right. triple seven. Right. I mean, like they had a great thing going and then it, it evaporated. But, it, but, it, but it's back. Spectrum. 
<laughs> it is back. But it's back, which is why you're here, which is why we're all having this conversation. Well, I'm, I'm glad, you, actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm glad you think that we're back. We're just happy to be part of the discussion at this point. It certainly feels like we're headed in the right direction, and I couldn't be happier with where we are right now. And neither could we from a retailer standpoint. Yeah. I mean, we, what you guys are doing, it's absolutely awesome. You're crushing it. We're crushing it by selling what you guys are making. So thank you. Because it's, it's awesome. But before we get into the whole Elan brand experience and what we experienced while, while we were there with the factory and talking about where you guys are going, what you guys coming, have down, come, excuse me, have coming down the pipe, we need to literally just touch on what we just did briefly because we just got back from Slovenia um, with both Ben and Jeff um, took myself, George, and Berkowitz. It was a trip, long time. In the making. We were supposed to go March of 2020. I feel like we tried to go like, like two three or three different times. <laughs> three different times. <laughs> and um, of course, March of 2020, like a week before we were supposed to leave, you know, we all know what happened there. The world shut down, so we didn't go. And it just kept getting rescheduled and rescheduled. And luckily, you guys were able to squeeze myself, George, and Matt into this one, which is part of your kind of your international sales meeting. And we are really, really thankful. And we're really grateful to be there because what we experienced was, was nothing short of incredible. It was I, awesome. It, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a pleasure to be able to share it with people, right? Because you could you could hand somebody a map and say point to Slovenia, and they right. would go, uh, I don't know where it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when you get there, and you like, wow, this is you know bordered by Italy, Austria, Hungary, and and, and uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. I would never have guessed that this place is this awesome. Like it's the right size. Like Ljubljana, great city, right? Right oh, size city. I mean, wander around, grab just, some food, grab a beer, like comfortable. Honestly, one of the cleanest cities I've ever been in. Yep. Like as far as, as far as European capitals go, it's probably, it probably has to be the cleanest. Yep. It's insane. And you're 20 minutes from the Alps. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were having, uh, you know, wings or whatever that, uh, one of the last days we were there and I called, you know, Kara, my wife, and she's like, so how's Ljubljana? I'm like, you know, I've never really used this word before, but it's, it's really kind of like heavenly. It's really, it, it does feel like that. There's a I mean, big cla- uh, castle like in the clouds above you. You're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, the way the streets look, the architecture, and then, you know, like the way the cafes and bars are set up, it's not like, oh, is there space for me to sit? It's like, which amazing seat and view do you want? Yeah. And you guys did a, an incredible job, obviously, being host and showing us around. I mean, even from when we first got there, the first inter- you know, introduction to, you know, Ljubljana and meeting you guys in the lobby, it's like, we're going golfing, like right away. Yep. And... You know, that golf course, I mean, you're a golfer. You're actually a really good golfer. People listening, Ben Fresco is a golfer. And uh, so I haven't been to many golf courses. That skis. (laughs) That skis, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe you can – that golf course was ridiculous. It was. So that's not the usual experience. Um, It was crazy. You know, arrive to a a gated golf course community and get a card into the locker room. The Mm -hmm. door pops open. Yeah, we had our own personalized cards (laughs) with our name on it. And then you you use it to scan in. The doors open up. And then you scan it again. And then the locker with your name on it automatically opens up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. It wasn't all (laughs) about skis. It was like all about the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool that that there was fresh snow (laughs) on the mountains, right? But we're walking around in polos and shorts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy told me to tuck my shirt in too. Mm-hmm. He caught me. Well, I well, he only. Well, you guys, he was like, "All right, yeah, put the put the beers in the golf bags. They don't really like this here." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, how many how many uh, beers did you get in your golf bag? Not zero. Yeah, what happened? Because I had the Slovenian, you know, Blake Bled golf course Gustavo you got scared. Like, on me. They were like you got all scared. over me. <laughs> they were they, they were all over. <laughs> they did they did a couple of flybys on us. <laughs> I was the last one to come out. There's seven. They're like, "Sir, your golf bag's right here. Your golf bag's right here." I'm like, "God." 
<laughs> and, and then when I get, catch up to you guys, like, where are your beers? I'm like, I don't know. You guys left me to, to, for dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't have any beers, which was actually, honestly, it was kind of nice. It was the first time I've golfed and not, like, had, you know, consistent beers. And I, th- I, I thought I was swinging the club more, yeah. <laughs> a little better. <laughs> I, I think our group played pretty well. I think, I think we did. I think we did. And, you know, but also, too, because we had just gotten there, you know, in a weird, really long travel experience that you know george and i've traveled long is long is one way to put it but it was it was very long it's very long i mean we've traveled together a lot over the years and th- this was by really yeah Surpri- oh. surprise diamond baby anyways but yeah this is the longest <laughs> this, is the long, this is the longest travel day that we, we ever had i mean we when we left boston oh and we have to say it was only it, it was this long because Berkowitz freaked out, sent a freaking email at like the 11th hour and it was like airstrike. We must change. And I, I love Jeff's response was like airstrike. What's the target? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a little unnerving to open up my inbox and see that at like five 30 that morning. Like, Ooh, um, maybe, maybe we should change plans or encourage plan changing. Yeah. It so air traffic, show, like, you and know, we did, you, you know, and we did. Yeah. Air traffic controllers went on strike in, uh, Paris, which we were flying through, and you know, Mac gets freaked out about that. Always nervous. Always so nervous. <clears throat> and so we we get convinced to change our flights, so we change our flights to fly through Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Matt um, was too nervous to basically change his flights. <laughs> double nervous. <laughs> yeah, double nervous. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, he must be. He's going to be cringing listening to this. Uh, he never. He, he wasn't able to change his flights because so many people did it prior to him. Right. So in his defense, the, the airport in Paris is bad on a good day. Well, not like the airport in Amsterdam. Gee, true. What a shit show. Have you, ever, have you ever changed planes there? In Amsterdam? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, what is that? I, so I've had a pleasant experience going through there. It's always de Gaulle that's like, oh my God, there's a thousand people waiting to clear customs going out of the country. So, I mean, we were, we were a little bit late because we have, you know, had some delays leaving. Um, but when we, when we landed and we're like deplaning or whatever and we're like, okay, well, like we have to go to find our gate. Obviously that's what you, that you think of, but you have to go through passport control. And the way that Amsterdam's airport is set up, it's like this like double gate. So like you're on one level and it's like this big fishbowl effect and you can like see your gate and like all the people waiting. You're like, oh, there's, there's where we're supposed but to you go. You can't get to your gate. But you can't get there. You and you're to, not, you can get to your gate, you can see your gate, but it, you don't go through passport control first. Right. And there's all these turns you can take. There's all these options you can do. Right. And, and there's no signs. So, you know, we're kind of running, we're trying to catch our flight. Um, and we're asking anyone that we see that looks like an official person that works at the airport. And like, oh, you have to go here, you have to go there. We're like, all right, cool. And so we finally end up at the place where we're supposed to go, where we're told. And then we're getting into line for passport control. And the lady's like, are you changing planes? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, you're, you're, you're you're in the wrong area. You have to go through the other area. I'm like, okay. And then we go to go back to the door and they're like, oh no, that's a secure area. You have to, you have to wait. And you're like, wait, yeah, wait. You know, you wait in those seats right there. Those for, those are for the people that made the same mistake as you. <laughs> so they, why <laughs> do you have so many chairs? This is crazy. <laughs> so they had a whole seating area for people who didn't know how to change planes. I'm like, this can't be, this must happen all the time. If you need those chairs, this thing's broken. <laughs> like ridiculous. And so then you, you talk to the guy and the guy's like, some guy has to come down and, and let you through. Well, that was, I mean, we waited Whatever, but it was kind of cool when he finally came because we got to walk through like the bowels of the airport, yeah. which is kind of rad. Like we went through like all these like weird hallways that was like you know behind where everyone else is walking, which was kind of fun. I've never done that before. Yeah, and he walked us straight to the front of the line, 
which was we thought was helpful because we thought we were going to catch the flight because we kept getting like notifications on our phone like flights delayed flights delayed we're like fuck this is sick we're gonna we're gonna make the connection um and we finally got to the gate the plane was there we're like yes but it was like but it was like dumb and dumber style it was like five feet away from the jetway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sitting there unreal Should've so we're for it yeah so we're yeah so we're like in the glass like looking at it like it's okay <laughs> i'm a limo driver we're like, <laughs> we can see the pilots like looking at us we're like <laughs> like waving them down like let us in the plane so so yeah missed that flight and then that goes to it was like a 12-hour layover because the next flight wasn't until 10 p.m we get to venice at like one ish in the morning they won't let us rent a car one way. So we have to get a car service. And then the car drove us from at 1 a.m. in Venice all the way to Ljubljana, um, like three hours. Yeah. And then we get to the, get to the hotel. At about four. Close our eyes, wake up, and we're golfing. Yep. Yep. So yep. that was awesome. It was a long, it was a really, it was the longest travel day. But what one benefit of that was we got to kick around Amsterdam, which was kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. We got to like see the sights and and walk around, you know, have some beers, have some cappuccino, have some beer, like uppers and downers. Yep. Yeah. And then back to the airport. Roller coaster shit. Roller coaster. It's shit. pretty much that way across Europe, right? <laughs> yeah. to Europe, you, you feel free to have a beer or or a coffee at any time. Mm-hmm. And also, too, before we move on to what we're supposed to talk about, um, the the line to get into the airport in Amsterdam, fucking like, insane. What what was that? It's, it, it was probably about the width of our store so i don't know 30 feet wide and it was from the entrance to our store to the td garden to get into the airport wow what the hell is that and there was a cover they had it like covered with like a tent so obviously this happens all the time and they they were just like herding cattle to get into the airport and that it doesn't matter if you have status or anything like that is the line that's a line yeah it was really weird yeah it was really weird but then we land it's all good we're golfing we're in selenia having a good time um so let's go into what we kind of experienced from Alon um, once we got off the golf course and kind of went to see what you guys had going on. So you guys pretty much had an international sales meeting, um, and you could talk us a little bit through that and some awesome stuff that we experienced there. But you guys went full tech. It was like we're in Silicon Valley in Slovenia. Yeah. So, you know, laser light show. In, international sales conference <laughs> is a big deal, right? You know, we're launching the 23-24 collection mm-hmm. to global distribution right now or last week when we were there right um you know so production value certainly quite high right that that was, screen was big there's was awesome there's a lot of uh av there's a lot of media that goes into it um because it, it it's all about firing up people to mm. get ready to sell that product in um and we're super excited right we have some new fun things in the pipeline um that maybe we won't talk about on this one but yeah because you you, you presented future. in front of a couple hundred people yep you did a great job thank you you look great oh you didn't have to say that you look great (laughs) but i mean but what what you what you presented what you know we can't necessarily talk about because it's in it's coming down the pipeline but but we skied on it last year as prototypes and it's it's really really awesome it is it's fun stuff that i think um it's a category that that you guys are going to crush it in definitely like kind of like a hole that you guys had there which i think you filled like awesomely with this with this ski so thanks Thanks. which is pretty rad um but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I didn't really know what to expect, um, but I definitely left that whole, you know, presentation where you're like, dude, like Alon is like, they're all in. Yeah. 
on on their new collection. Like it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean that's that's a team right there, right? That's a team building exercise, and like everybody participates, everybody has a good time. Yeah, um, it really gives like the the look, the feel, the personality of the brand that that we're, you know, the always good times motto that we have. It's like it's our opportunity to really live it authentically. And I think that's, yeah. that's a, you know, part of why we've been a little bit successful over the last few years. Yeah. Well, and I, and I said this, um, when we were there, <clears throat> but the director of the, the, all the winter sports division, when, when he went up at the end and kind of gave his speech, which was really good. And, and I, I had mentioned it right afterwards. And I mentioned it to him when we were at the party, I was like, honestly, the, you know, I know the lighthouse thing is a, is a good analogy for what, for, you know, what you were talking about, but you know, he, he used the analogy of like, he, now that we're a lighthouse, a lawn for certain things, you know, and well, I'll use the example of dripstick because that's really our biggest category with you guys, right? Once you once you turn on, you can't turn it off. Yep. So like true. once you make it, once you make dripstick, and now people are coming to you for that ski because they want this set of they want this experience, they want to have this much fun. That they they associate a lawn with this product. It, you can't just stop. Like oh, we did it. Well, no, someone has to be in the lighthouse all the time. No, no, the pressure increases, right? <laughs> increases. Yeah. Because you're, you're now, you're, you're a lighthouse for everybody. Yep. So you, you can't just turn it off. And I thought that was a really good way to close it because it really sums up what you guys have done with, I mean, with a, a lot of categories, but again, with Ripstick in particular um, over the last few years, because now it's like a legitimate product that everybody has now purchased, had an awesome experience on are telling other people to buy it because of how awesome it is. So you, you can't just shut the lights off. Yep. Which was a really, really cool way for, for him to end it, which, which was rad. Yep. It, it, it's, it's really true. I mean, like, back up a little bit. It's like, you know, we, we haven't arrived, right? He made the point that it's like, you know, we're just getting, we're just getting this, this ship up to altitude. Right. Um, and that's, this is when the real work starts for us. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's been a fun ride to get here. I think there's a lot more fun in the future. Yeah, there is a lot more fun for you guys to do. And we saw what you guys are, are, are making, which, which is awesome. No, so talking about fun, because when we were there, we went to a cowboy party. Yep. Which was pretty rad. Yeehaw. So, um, so everyone dressed up. It was a Wild West theme. Yep. Um, I loved personally how into it everybody got. I thought yeah. that was awesome. Right down to the line dancing. It right was, down to the line dancing. Oh, by the way, you and Berkowitz has like incriminating videos of us doing that. But like you were fucking me up big time. So the guy in the front was fucking me up big time. So we, we can we can pass this blame down the road. That's how line dancing works. <laughs> that is exactly it's right? literally how it works. Once you're off step, you are off step in the wrong direction for the rest of the night. Yeah. I think he had he has a, like one particular video that he showed me and like because you're right on my right and we're doing it and like I stop and the, it just shows me like stopping and looking at you and like, dude, I got frustrated <laughs> and, and walked away. <laughs> so everyone got, got really into it. And then for those that who are listening, people in Slovenia, I guess, and, and Jeff Matura told me this story that when he first started going over there, you know, he was like, oh, uh, you know, there's thing at home is a Halloween party, whatever. I can't really remember exactly how Jeff led into this story, but the people of Slovenia were like, well, what's Halloween? You know? And he's like, what do you mean? What's Halloween? And he's like, oh, I guess you wouldn't celebrate that. He's like, well, people get dressed up, you know, they have costume parties, they go out, they party. And then the kids like get free candy and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I guess the, as the story goes, Jeff introduced the costume parties at Elan and it was such a popular thing. Everybody had so much fun because who wouldn't have fun at a costume party yeah. that you guys just kept it going. Yeah. It's been a staple of the international sales conference since, since I started there in 2018. And it was really my, my first introduction to the brand. Like 
you know, we went, we did the, the, the product presentation and that was something to, to see. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I got firsthand education on what our, what our line looked like because I really didn't, you know, I was still getting up to speed. And then we have this crazy pirate party. And he's like, make sure that you bring a pirate costume and like DIY pirate costume. <laughs> and I got there and was like vastly undergunned compared to the rest of the people who imported like real swords and swashbuckling <laughs> attire. And then all of a sudden there's a pirate ship parked in front of us and we are boarding a pirate ship that is stocked with rum and pillaging the, uh, the Adriatic. It's awesome. Yeah, it was great. It's awesome. Cause, it, cause he said to me, like his parting words back when, you know, when we kind of finalized this trip was like, you guys are going to be the only other Americans at this party. So, don't fucking embarrass me. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, no, yeah, no problem, no problem, Jeff. And literally, well, and I think I texted George and or Matt and I talked about it. I'm like, man, we got to really, we got to bring it on this costume. Yeah. So we, we, I thought we did. I thought our, our getup was pretty good, uh, but everyone got so into it that it just like it kind of just all flowed together, which is really fun. Yeah, right down to the saloon doors, right? Right down to the oh, saloon yeah. doors. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, like very whack bang. Yes, those things were. Yeah, a lot of beer spilled against oof. those. <laughs> <laughs> And those who are listening, guns are 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 very illegal in Slovenia. Yeah, we, even even toy ones. Even toy ones, which we have to get into which we found out. Yeah, I, uh, when we were departing, <clears throat> I I was you know packing my bag and I was like you know, I don't know if I should pack these whatever, but I was like you know I don't want to have to buy more of these if I go to another Western party, and Eric made it over here just fine with them in his bag. Yeah, I'm gonna pack these things, so. Um, check my bag. We're in the lounge at the airport and I get, a, there's a call over the intercom. Uh, George Michelson, we need you to security, George Michelson to security. And I'm like, what the fuck do I have to go here for? So I leave, I go to basically like what their, the back end of their TSA thing is. And I was like, yeah, my name is uh, George. I was called. They're like, you're George, you're George. You wait right there. And jail. So I'm sitting there and all these cops walk up to me and they're like, you're George Michelson. I was like, I am. They're like, we found a gun in your luggage. And I was like, I was at a costume party. Um, It was kind of my theme. It's, it's a toy. And they're like, well, we need to go look at this. So, um, we go back through, you know, the catacombs of the Ljubljana airport. So hit Amsterdam, hit Ljubljana. Now we go back there and, uh, you can see my like, you know, DB bag sitting there open, you know, all these security people over by it. And like, we need you to go through this. And I was like, really trying to explain like that. I was at a costume. I'm like, hang on, let me move my cowboy hat. And they're like, it's in this part of the bag. (laughs) So then I lift up my cowboy boots (laughs) (laughs) and um, like, we're getting close to where this toy gun is. And all of a sudden the cops pull out their guns. I'm like, oh my God, this is just, it's going to be a showdown, baby. It's four in the morning. And I have, I'm like, I kind of have like guns drawn on me for this costume party (laughs) thing. So then I go and I pull it out and I hold it about as feebly as I possibly can. So they know like, I'm not going to do anything stupid. And then I was like, just a toy. And then it didn't look enough like a toy because we took the orange cap off. The orange caps off. Yep. And so then he holds this and like he's inspecting it for a while to like make sure it's not. And mine was actually made of metal. Yeah, we had a couple metal ones. Yeah. So he's doing that. And he's like, oh, it's just a toy. And they're like, but what about the bullets? And I was like, I don't have any bullets. And they pull me over to the x-ray thing. And they're like, bullets. And I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. They're shotgun chills. 
They're plastic toy shotgun shells. So then the guy's like, well, we know the bullets aren't in the gun. So he's like, I need to go through this bag. So then he does that. And it was a bike multi-tool. So like all like the, you know, the Phillips, the flathead, the yeah. Allen wrench, they all those things. Perfect. Yeah. And it was right behind the grip of the gun. So like in the x-ray thing, everything looked like it was loaded. It was bad. It was just bad news. They let us go though. Well, you're going to have to party, duel right? them, dude. Well, yeah, so then, then I'm sitting there and I was like, you know, I have a couple friends that I'm traveling with and we might have a similar issue with them. They're still, you know, up there in the lounge. And I was like, I can just save everybody some time, find their bags and just show you what the deal is. And they're like, no, 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 we have an issue. We will call them individually. And I was like, okay. And I was like, how about we just throw this gun away? He's like, no, no, you should keep it. It's super nice. Just put it back in there. <laughs> and as I'm leaving there to go back through security again, I'm like, I'm going to be so fucked once we get to fucking Paris. I'm going to get pulled out again, and I'm probably just going to be stuck in Paris for the rest of my life. This is going to be great. That didn't happen. I'm here. Yeah, we made it. We made it. So Welcome they, home. they obviously didn't, they didn't have any, like, obviously they have protocol, but it was probably the first time in a while where they saw anyone that had a gun. Sure. <laughs> they were like, Dude, what the fuck is that? Never doing that again. Americans. Such an idiot. Yeah. Chuck's out. I mean, but it, all in all, it was worth it because we had. Okay. We, we were walking the streets of Bled dressed up as cowboys before with, anybody else. Before anybody else, and everyone was like, "What is happening?" Yeah, went to we went to dinner dressed as cowboys. We went to a bar dressed as cowboys. It was uh, it was it was a good time. It's Just, so fun, like tipping your hat, like yeah, to, like, like ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> Get, getting in character. Yeah, <laughs> yep. How just when you, just when you think you've gone far enough. One step just go li- is the answer. Yeah, just go a little far. Little you farther. think my horse is going to be okay right outside the barn? <laughs> just want to make sure he's hungry. Well, there was a group of um, of, of tourists in Bled, too. They were walking by us, and they're clearly American. And, and she was like, what is going on? And I was like, it's a cowboy party for a ski company. We're, we're from Boston. She's like, we came all the way from Texas to get to, 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 to not see you guys, and here you are, looking in Bled, Slovenia. I'm like, Jesus, what the chance of that? So that that was really fun. All in all, you guys had a had an awesome party. Everyone was so like into it, which just speaks to like what you guys have going on as as a company. Yep. Everyone is is bought into the idea of you know kind of taking what you guys have going on and, and going to the next level, which we saw the next day when we went to the factory. Um, and we went to headquarters, you guys, well, I mean, I think we, we got like an in-depth tour that, that was, so I've done the factory tour with, you know, I've done it on my own. I've done it with product managers. Um, you know, I've done it with other dealers. Um, that was three times the tour that, that I've ever seen before. Yeah. And, um, and he, and, and he Marco was, did an amazing job. I, I, Marco, he, he, he crushed it. Yeah. I mean, you could tell the passion that he had at every turn, like every room, whatever he was explaining, whatever process it was, whatever people he was talking about or just the brand itself or what he was actually saying about how invested he is into his own job. It was, he was like really, yeah. really passionate. True, yeah. True passion. It was, yeah. it was really cool to see because like he, he, there was not, he was not bullshit, you no. know, at every single thing he explained it. Well, he kind of over explained it, which we like, which was great. But like, he was like explaining every single, you had a question about something. It was like, this is how this is the size of the screwdriver that you need to like take the machine apart. Yep. Well, and I think we had more questions for how stuff, you know, was going because that was really our second real factory right. ski tour. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. kind of been through it. Yeah. And the differences um, between the two. And I was I was curious on how what the differences were going to be like between the two because we had just seen another one, you know, a few months earlier. And uh, the, the first thing that, that comes to my mind that, that stuck out was was um, the milling process. 
Oh, how the cores are actually made there. Right, how yeah. the cores are made. And it, and they are all made there, which was different than the, than the previous factory that we just saw. Yep. Yeah, we control the materials from basically the raw form. You know, we don't take the bark off the tree, but pretty much from there on, we own that process from start to finish. Um, yeah. So putting the cores together. Um, and I think you guys, uh, you know, you'll notice that we use the wood right out through the tip. Right? Yeah. Which is yeah. maybe a little bit different than some other people do it, right? Because yes, it of the is. frequency of the vibration. Um, you know, we talked about that for a little bit and like, there's just, I, I think to, to steal the cake metaphor from, from Marco, like you can have an, uh, a recipe to build something. Um, but it's the baker, right? Right. And the experience oh, yeah. that they have baking it yeah. that really makes the products come out different. Right. I mm-hmm. think we'd agree that, that all the brands have different uh, characteristics or personalities, um, e- each to their own. Yeah. I mean, if, if he gave me all the ingredients, in a press and said, go ahead and make a ripstick 96 black. I would be like, okay, no problem. I, it would be unskiable. Which he did, right? Yeah, you which know? we did. Yeah. <laughs> which we did. And it, it, I think, uh, you know, hard lesson learned that like it's, uh, it's a challenging process to, to, to build a ski and to build a quality ski that you know is going to come out right on the other end. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And just the differences, because let's, let's stay on the, on the, on the, on the cords real quick, because there's so many differences to each core that you guys were, were making. And from, to see it, how they took the different woods and then that machine, they kind of pressed them together to make all the wood stringers and like to, to watch all that happen. And then it comes out at the, at the very end shaped like a, you know, a wingman or a ripstick or new stuff that you guys come and ha- you know, have coming down the pipe. It, it was, it was really, really cool because that's not something we saw the first time around. And to see, because that was the first thing I think George and I said when we saw some of those cords, like the wood goes literally all the way to the tip. And I had, I mean, maybe I, I sound naive by saying this, but I, I didn't know that because all the other experiences we've had, you see just the cores in like, you know, their rectangular form. Yeah, the, the cores are a lot shorter than you would think from most manufacturers. They're smaller. Right. They're smaller. Yeah. And, and they're not, I shouldn't say they're not shaped because they're, they're obviously shaped. But for whatever reason, when we got, to the end to see like, Oh, th- that's clearly a ripstick. Well, yeah. yeah it looks it, the, the, the Elan cores look more, they look closer to a finished product than most right. cores that's do. Better, like it looks like it. a ski. Yep. The, the 3d of our, of our cores is really matches the, the, the final product. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, like the, the, the technology that you could see throughout that process, right. With the carbon rods, um, you know, that's probably something different than maybe you've seen before in other places. I don't know, right? You've been in 100% more factories than I have. Yeah, no, uh, it, yeah. it was different in, in different in a great way, which I think was the, the theme, you know, when, when we kind of left there, well, really the whole time that we were there for sure. But like, especially after we le- left the factory, it's like, you know, what a, makes a lawn different and special? I mean, we could go through the whole thing because this whole factory and how the ski is kind of comes, comes out, of a, out of this milling area and gets finished like that whole process all the way through i mean is a special process yes it is it's really special um and then once it's done you know and like we talked about on our last podcast when we went to the last factory you're like seeing this guy at the start basically mill out this core for a ripstick and then you hold it at the end it's like man this should i know i said it i'm gonna say a million times more like this should cost a lot more money absolutely (laughs) yeah it it, it was it was wild it was wild Oh, you know what? What's funny too about this factory because we, we didn't see it. The last one was we, which we talked about right away was the was the um, composite. Yeah. Oh, it, cap skis. The yep. Cap skis. Yep. I am never poo pooing a cap ski again. That is a much more involved process than I thought. Yep, absolutely. And 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 the end result is 
you know, sometimes a cap ski or a, or an injected ski is actually better for the end user, right? It's easier to use. Um, and it gives us a lot of flexibility with what we can do with that product too. Um, and, and we can certainly build them a lot faster. Well, I had no idea that the, that that's what that machine looked like. I was like, it was like, it was so cool. Cause yeah. it's obviously it's, what's kind of funny is it's like, it's still handmade. It's like, a yeah, hand, for sure. you know, it's a handmade ski. And then the only, the last thing that has to happen is it just needs to get injected. And you have one person that's like laying up all the skis, just like they would if it was a wood core press. And then they kind of set it up just like it was a regular. Yeah. They still like have to put the base in. They still have to put the edges right. in. Yep. Then whatever materials inside of it. Yep. And then the top sheet. And, and there's just one big machine, you know, injection machine that how long down is the that, center. How long is that room? Do you think? Ben, probably 50 or 60 meters, maybe more. Dude, we're going metric? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everything's measured in metric, so we should speak in metric. We're, in, we're, in, we're still in the EU, dude. Okay, so what is that's like 180 feet. Yeah. About are those that. like pesos? Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God>. Euros. <laughs> it's a legal European tender. <laughs> but yeah, so foam, the phone core injection, that was really cool. I didn't know that I was going to look like that. And then, you know, from a, from a you know, labor standpoint, you still have, you have one person that can run like three, five, 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 five different right? stations. They, they can, they can uh, switch between five different stations. Um, all, all they really have to do. Well, all they really have to do. No, it's an involved process, but they do the layup. They hit the button. The machine comes down. It fills the ski. Um, I guess maybe for the listener, it kind of would be like filling a tube of toothpaste from the, from the bottom end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, the yeah. picture for it. Yeah, yeah that, that um, but sense. it's got a lot more ingredients in it than just crest. Yeah, so it's essentially, those are listening. So you take a ski as you like. You can picture a ski in your head, and then at one end, it kind of connects to this long kind of trough, essentially. Yep, the and mold. the and and in the middle, is, there's there's this arm that comes in that has the toothpaste, if you will, yep. and then it's connected to the end, and it just squeezes the toothpaste into the ski, and then it has to cure, and then you're on to the next ski. Yep. Yeah, um, while that ski is being injected, they're working on the next ski on the opposite side, and then this the toothpaste deal just right. keeps following them. Keeps yep. following them. So you, the you can. It's just like you lay it up, you set it up, all the work is done, and then you hit go, and then you're onto the onto the next um, area where you build the next ski, which is which was which was wild. And then I, I forget the number. I mean, I think it was ninety. Ninety. Like ninety per shift, right? Per eight hour shift. That for okay. a cap ski. So, yeah, cap so ski. in the in the injected skis, yeah, in the poly skis, it's it's ninety pair. I think um, wood core was thirty. Like sand- so. sandwich construction yeah, was 30. thirty. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a lot of output, right? You know, you you if you think about what we went through, you know, putting a ski together and how long it took versus how long uh, a skilled um, not to call you unskilled, George. But like somebody, dude, who there does are this so many ingredients day, to that ski, and it's like boom, 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 boom. That goes together in five minutes, right? Yeah, it took me thirty. Yeah, <laughs> not, <laughs> not quite. I thought you did a great job, but it was and like, not not to call out the enforcer by any means. But I'm going to call it the enforcer. I mean, how many more pieces were in that ripstick? A lot more versus the because it seems like it took you a lot longer. A lot more, and the other thing that makes it tough is you're you're dealing with ingredients that are left right. Ah, so right. we should uh, we should really touch on that. Yeah, like, we should. You know, like uh, Alon, you know, they have left right skis, and I think to understand that uh, more clearly, um, y- you probably need to get why people don't make left right skis, and it's because it's really fucking hard and yep. very expensive. Yep. Um, so what Alon is doing, um, it, it's they're not doing it because just like for fun, like it's really really hard. Like you have ingredients that are specific to the right ski and to the left ski. Mm-hmm. And when you're building, you know, a mantra enforcer, a Brahma, 
you know, pick whatever. I mean, it's the same ingredients going in whatever, and then it might just be a different left-right graphic. Yep. And the molds are the same, right? Our molds are different also, right? Because right. That, that profile of the ski is built into the mold, right? The amphibio profile, which really makes our skis left and right. Um, it has a longer camber profile on the inside edge. It has extended rocker zones in the tip and tail on the outside edge. So that's one aspect of it, right? We have to build a right and a left mold. Yeah. Um, so the investment on that side is, is big. Um, I mean, right. everything's essentially double. Well, right and a left yep. core too. Yep. And then when we build the core, right, it's not just the profile that makes it right and left. It's how we lay the materials within the ski. Right. Um, you know, putting more material along that inside edge is the other thing that makes it left, right specific. And, you know, it, it just, to us, it makes sense, right? The, the end user benefits from us. I think the number one thing I hear about our skis is that, wow, I don't know what it is about these skis, but I feel like a better skier on them and I work less hard so I can achieve more. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it, it goes to that discussion that we had about when you make the turn, right? 70% of what goes on in the turn of a ski is happening on that downhill ski. Oh yeah. On the inside edge. So oh, yeah. why wouldn't it be a stronger part of the ski where the uphill outside edge, right? That can be tough to control if it's built the same way. Mm -hmm. So it just makes that ski more, more maneuverable, more compliant, easier to like handle more naturally. Um, so I think that's like the, the benefit of it. Well, it's, oh, a, it's a big why, right? Yeah. Yep. I, th I think a lot of what you guys do is you're answering the why. Yep. And that's a huge part of, of Alon. And I, and I think, it, unfortunately, I think it kind of gets a little bit lost in, your, in the marketing story or any story because it's such an important reason why you guys build skis. Yep. It's not just like, okay, well, well what does the market need? Um, okay, well, we already have this. Let's just put a new top sheet on. Great, we'll make some money. No, it, it's not like that at all. It, knowing your whole collection, it's like, okay, well, why? What does this skier need and why do they need it to make their day the best possible yeah, day? Yeah, and that, that's the reason. That is the why. It's to produce a, a piece of equipment that gives the skier, whether you're a, a beginner level skier or an intermediate or, a, or an expert, um, to give you an experience, right? Because if you look at the, the our ski day, right, you remember some banger turns, right? And you remember mm -hmm. excellent conditions. Yeah. But if we back up to the beginning of this podcast, mm -hmm. what were we talking about? How much fun we had together skiing in Aspen that year. Oh, yeah. And that's really what makes that, that, that brings the, that, that's the sauce. Like that's the magic right there, yeah. right? Great skis, right? Product is king. But what can we do to improve the, the, the skier experience with the end product? So I think that's, that's a differentiator that, that, that is the, the, the goal with every product we build, whether it's a, it, whether it's a price point ski or a, a ripstick black edition, it's what is the end goal? It doesn't make it a better day on snow for your friend or your family. You know, and it's, it's such an interesting thing to like witness. So like as our team here expanded and, you know, we do whatever test days. And um, I remember the first one and it was at Pico uh, pre-COVID sometime. And we really had a pretty wide array of uh, women skiers from, you know, pretty much beginner to um, established ski racer, like really high end, right? And you watch all of these, you know, women come down and they all looked best on a lawns. And you're like, isn't that fucking interesting? You know, you're all more balanced. You're getting more out of the ski. You're skiing more aggressively. Um, you look great. And that was every single ability. And then, you know, that was the first time we noticed that. Then you look at the rest of the staff and you start to notice other people. Um, and you're like, dude, everyone skis better on these yeah. things. Yeah. And it's easier. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's it, not, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's not supposed to be harder. No. 
Like, what the fuck? Are we supposed to <laughs> go back to carrier pigeons? <laughs> yeah, get it when you get it, dude. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that send attachment. A, send a raven. <laughs> it would be really tough to sell a ski if your story was this thing is really hard to ski. But vocal, it, vocal, but, vocal does fine. Well, not singling out <laughs> any brands, but like, oh my God, like it's really hard to ski. Um, but if you nail it and you have like the precision of a World Cup ski racer, you get a lot out of it, right? You get a lot out of that yeah. really burly ski, but like you, the average skier can get a lot out of a, a out of a ski that's built a little bit easier to ski. Yeah, yeah. and the, the Amphibio story too um, is a is a huge why in part of your 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 whole brand, and it makes a huge difference when you actually like talk about it, think about it, how a ski works, right? And it just like that story. I mean, we've been selling Amphibios, Amphibios. I think they were called when they first came out, yep. right? Like for a while, and it's still like something that like isn't known, you know. Yep. And you still, if you explain it the way I, I feel like we try to explain it at Ski Monster, when you're talking to somebody face to face, people every single time their eyes light up, or they're like, "Oh wow, that does make a lot of sense." Yeah, but like I think you know, if if someone is talking shit about it, like kind of just pause for a second and be like, "Why are you actually talking shit about this?" If right. you're at the brand level, okay you don't have the resources, the time, or the expertise to actually do it the way that it should be done. Or the which care, is, or really the care. The care, or the passion, whatever you right. want. Yeah, I mean, in Elan, it is so clear when you're there that, you know, that is their thing. They are working so hard to make the best product possible so you can have the best day possible. Through, through every phase of it too, right? It's not just our R&D department, right? Those guys yeah. are, like, this is what keeps them up at night. But the marketing department, right? The people that work there are also equally passionate, also equally awesome to work with. Yeah. Um, and the sales department, same thing, right? Like these guys are like, okay, what, what do we need to do to su support you to, to help the brand succeed in the U.S.? No, obviously at the, at the global level, they need it to, to, to be successful everywhere, but they are so attentive to our needs in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, that, it's, that it's an amazing process to go through in every department, right? You guys got a little bit of it. Um, with Marco and then you got a lot of it with the, with the party in general, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, especially with Marco, just, I mean the party in general, of course, but when we walk through and all the things that he was just like dropping on us as far as knowledge, unlike the way that things are done, like one little nugget that, that, that stuck out to me and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he started talking about when we were, when we were going through the composite story and the injection and all that stuff like that. And so I think George maybe asked a question like, you know, what, what's the temperature difference between like a, a sidewall an ABS sidewall ski, uh, sandwich sidewall ski, and then an, uh, foam injection for like how hot the ski has to be and the press. I, I can't remember exactly the question it was, but it was something along those lines. And he's like, what well, the temperature varies. Um, but like we had issues with doing, you know, essentially like a sidewall with a, with the foam because we couldn't, it was, it was too hot. Yep. And we're like, oh, okay. That, well, that makes sense. He goes, yeah, you know, like other brands have had that issue, which is why they transitioned away from sidewall when they, when they were, you know, going to phone. I'm like, oh, like atomic. He's like, yes. Like, so atomic nomad years yep. when they made all those nomads, it wasn't because they didn't want to have sidewall in the skis is that the, they, they couldn't, it was too hot that they were, the sidewalls were melting when they were doing the foam injection. Yep. So that instead of re, re, you know, doing the whole thing from the ground up there, like screw it, just scrap the sidewalls, mm -hmm. market it as a lighter weight, easier turn initiation ski, still sell for the same price, and just do it, just do a cap all the way. And I was like, damn, yep. that was a good bomb right there. Yep. Well, it's amazing how much communication they have too, right? Yeah. I mean, it, obviously the the ski industry is small enough that like everybody needs to cooperate a little bit. Yeah. Right? So they all they all bounce ideas off of each other, and and you know they can all learn from each other because I think in the end. 
end uh, game that like all these guys are super passionate about the sport of skiing and how they can make it better. Yeah. Yeah. And just the overall care that, again, I know we, we keep saying this, but it's really important to get this, to get this message across. Like the overall care that he had like in the final product. I mean, even when, when George was pressing that ripstick and, you know, we, we had called over one of the production guys, which, which George thought it was going to kill him. Yeah. What did he say? Nice to meet you, but you said you're dead or something. Oh like yeah, that. I thought he said you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, "Dude, well, I didn't do anything." And he's like, "What? No, uh, nice to meet you." It was, it was, and that was pretty funny. But Mark, he was behind the process the whole time, like really nervous. You could see the anxiety on his face. So anxious. Obviously, yeah. he's got a million other things going on, yep. and like he's kind enough to like give us this entire incredible tour. And so then he's like, we're like, oh, we want to make a ski. And he's like, oh my God, you can see him. He's like sweating. Yeah. And he's like kind of like behind George, just making sure that, you know, nothing goes wrong. And he was very anxious. I mean, even to that level of care at someone else making a ski that's probably going to get thrown away was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There was one cool thing too that, that we saw there, but it was kind of grazed over, um, was the, um, I think it was like the, the material like production, like sorter thing that no one was at, at the time. Where Marco said, they, like you know, you go there with what you need, and like you, you know, you press a couple of buttons, and then it. Cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I think that's a new thing, and I'm, that was really I, cool. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of in the dark on what that does at this. Well, point. He said it really fast, yeah. and then I asked him again. I go, "What do you mean? Like you come up and you say I'm going to build the ski, and you have these, and then you press in whatever number is yeah. for that skew, and he's like, oh yeah, then the materials just come out." I'm like, it's like some Willy Wonka shit, dude. Dude, it, it, it and really he was like, is. Willy who? And I was like, never mind. Component, <laughs> component, component vending machine. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I'm like, never mind. But it's great. It's really cool. It was yeah. really cool. Uh, and and I think one thing's worth talking about really quickly um, for those people that are listening that don't know this, but like, how many other skis are being made in Slovenia? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys do all the Stokely Junior skis. I think Black Rose Peak. Um, see Dinafit. I mean, there's a lot in there. There was Aussie. a lot. There was a lot in there. Yeah. And, and one really cool, th- another really cool thing that he that he said um, during the production process that what differenti- differentiates um, the Elan factory from other places that he's like we need to be able to build any ski that comes across you know that day on that day and then build another one right away. It wasn't like hey today we're building a th- you know seven hundred pairs of yep. wingmans. He's like no no we build seven hundred. Well, it might not be seven hundred. Excuse me, I'm just using it as, as a number, but it, we're building seven hundred skis today, and they might be seven hundred different skis. Yep. Yeah, the the planning process for building skis is intense. Like, I'm definitely not smart enough to do that, and it's it's a orchestration. Like, that is is, it's a fine line to walk in. Like, okay, what can we do to meet the market needs? Like the ship dates that we have in place, or the like you have in place. Like, what do we need to be building? When do we need to be building it? When does it need to be done? When does it need to get on a boat? Mm -hmm. Um, And it needs to arrive to the retailer. And it needs to arrive in the retailer. uh, Quality A. And ready to go. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and you did it. You did it. I mean, you. I mean, I. It, we got stuff on time. I'm assuming a lot of retailers did. Uh, by and large, we have we have worked really hard to be on time. So that's the feedback that we've gotten across the board. Is yes, people have what they need when they need it, um, and that also goes back to the team we put together in in New Hampshire, right? Because yeah. for those that yeah. don't know, we are uh, our U.S. headquarters is located in Lebanon, right? It's like this other little mecca of you know, ski industry people, right? You have a couple, lot of couple of other brands right there and the rest are in Ogden, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how closely we work with the Slovenian team um, and, and how that sort of teamwork goes together, the relationships that we have that we build at things like a cowboy party, that's like why this happens so seamlessly, at least this year, right? 
Yeah. You, know, you can never tell what's going to happen. Um, right. You know, so it's an honor working with them. Yeah. I mean, you could tell, you can feel that when, when, well, I, I could feel it when we were there for yep. sure. And I remember it cause I asked him, I was like, well, so what are they, what are they milling out for cores right now? You know? And, and he said, what are they building today? You know? And he's like, oh no, they're just milling out like all, 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 all cores. Yep. Or whatever. I was like, what do you mean? Like they gotta be working on something specific. He's like, oh yeah, they have this and they're going to do this and do this. I'm like, that's a lot of different products to be building right now. And then he said, you see this room? So the, the, the wood core room, right? Yep. It was like, it's this massive room, like rows and rows of, you know, racks of wood cores. And he goes, if we stopped milling cores right now, he's like, I, he's like in 10 days, this would be gone. I, th- I thought it was less, but like, yeah, it, it, I think, I think it might be like seven days, seven or 10 days. Yep. Or something. If, we'll just say a week. He's like in a week. Yep. Empty. Yeah. If one step in the process stopped. Yeah. This room would be empty. And I was like, there's a lot of wood cores in here. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. Oh my God, there's a and, lot. And if, and if we're wrong, we'll correct it another time. But I, I will just say a week. He's like, yeah, a week, all this would be gone. And a lot of different kinds, right? It, it is Oh yeah, so yeah. It's a library, which, oh, which was and then, crazy. And then they all have to be, you know, stored at a certain, you know, humidity, humidity temperature, temperature, so they don't get fucked up. Yep. So they actually flex normally. Yep. So they flex normally so that the weights stay the same. Oh my God. Yeah, the weights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's certainly tolerances there, but you know, it, it, the, the more it can happen in a vacuum, the better. Yeah. And then just thinking about this because of what, what we saw the first time in the first factory. And then now this one, the marrying of the skis at the end was something that blew my mind the first time. And I didn't really think of it um, as in depthly until I was, you know, at Alon and I saw it like, oh yeah, of course they have to marry the skis. I know that because I already learned that. But then you're like, oh wait, but they have to marry not only left and right graphics. Left oh and right, shit. Left and right, right, left left and right, right construction. Left, left and right, right flags. All that's I'm like, yep. Jesus. Yep. No, one, no wonder why no one else does left and right skis. Every single pair of flex tested before it gets serial numbered, right? You get that guy that sits there and he yep. checks all this, checks that sticker that says it's yeah. this and yeah. it's this. Okay. These two can become a pair. It goes over here. It gets the serial number on it. Yeah. Um, gets shrink wrapped and out the door into a container. And yeah. Into the ski monster. Into the ski monster. You know, another, another thing that um, really surprised me that Marco brought up was he had that thing that was kind of like the shape of a ski, you know, like had the hourglass look and it was made of like popsicle sticks, yep. basically. Yep. And he's like, you know, a lot of people talk about sustainability in skis and ski manufacturing and shipping and all that stuff. And it's more than just making, you know, a cardboard box or being efficient there, the sustainability story really starts at the production level yeah. where we're thinking about, you know, how do we use materials as wisely as possible to be as environmentally friendly as possible? He's like, that starts at the development level. Yeah. That doesn't start after the fact. And that was, you know, it's all these things. They're like such like, oh, obviously type stuff. But until you like hear that, you're like, yeah, dude, that makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. sense. And I, I, again, I would never think of it that way. I don't build skis, but when he was like, when we think about a new design, a new shape, or new core, you know, he's like, what is going to get wasted? Yep. Yeah. Not, Which is not a bit of waste in that ski, right? None. You know, and, and it's not like the burliest wood core, right? It's it's a component wood core, um, but it he figured out how to build a ski that doesn't waste any materials. Yeah. So it's it, wild. It, and you saw it at the product level, but like obviously during the presentation, you saw what happens. I think at a, right now it, what, where we can have the most effect is like in our supply chain, right? You saw our, our supply chain, everything we get comes from within 400 K of the factory. Oh yeah. Right. So that's a pretty short yeah, distance. That, that was cool too. That was really cool. Yep. And then, you know, Four, 60% of that kilometers. Comes, yeah. 400 kilometers. Um, 
here we go, metric again. Um, and then fucking loves the metric system. <laughs> it's, a few, it's a few miles. And then, and then, you know, 20% of it comes from within Slovenia and then it arrives, right? And we're, we're vertically integrated. So we have the control over the building, the core, and it's all done in a factory that runs 100% on renewable energy, right? That, yeah. that was a mm -hmm. big part of it. And then, you know, take it one step further. We put all those solar panels on the roof, right? We're yeah. producing 15% of our 15% of our own electricity at this point. And then like take it down to the production level. You see that core that we worked with. You see mm -hmm. the, the printing process, the digital printing process, yeah. which now is becoming more popular, but we've been doing it for 10 years, yeah. um, you know, because it wastes less uh, material and it creates less waste on the other end. So you know, it's, it's kind of the, like the direction that, that the industry needs to go. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You guys have like so many like cool stories, so much technology, so much awesome stuff that you're doing. And I feel like, you know, most, you know, uh, brands, manufacturers, whatever you want to call them, they have like a small fraction of what you have going on. And it's like, so like, how do you tell all of those amazing things that you're doing? It's hard. It, it is hard. It, right. You, you know, same thing when you talk to a customer in, at, on the ski wall, you hope like one of those things sticks. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We have a ton of technology. It, it can be baffling, you know, so we, so we just hope that, you know, we do our best job, you know, communicating through, you know, print advertising, um, through digital advertising, um, you know, that the key parts, I think, mainly personality and then product and then technology. Yeah. I think in that order, like that's the pyramid of what we want. to. Yeah. And just overall, overall passion, yep. really. Uh, I mean, so to, to, to piggyback that technology thing, because it just like kind of it just popped in my head. Uh, so we went to the museum after after the factory tour right yep. that if you want to talk about passion like that's really cool because you get to see a whole history of Elan yes that is like captured in your own museum which is really cool but one of the first you know things that i saw and i pointed out to him george when we were there was like there's a there's a, uh, a speed wave like 14 on the wall yeah and it was that was the very first key i ever sold <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that's the first key i ever fucking sold right there speedway 14 because at the time when you guys were doing the wave flex that was really new and it was like you know it was integrated the technology integrated onto the ski you could see it yep. and then they came you know we would we would do this stupid trick to people trick them you know basically you take like a piece of paper you know you fold it up like you were like a little kid like in yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. goals and you're like and you you'd show me like look like this is how the technology works if you wave it like this smooth and flexible easy to turn like oh yeah but if you try to go this way it's rigid so it's torsionally strong so it's going to hold an awesome edge and every time people were like <laughs> that's genius i'm like yeah it, yeah, cash or charge. Uh, innovation is something we hang our hat on, though, right? You walk, but, I mean, why aren't we using all, that anymore? <laughs> first of all, we have our own ski museum, right? Yeah, and yeah. and then you know the the library of innovations that have gone through that, like you know, starting like how did we start that tour? What did we talk about? How Alon was founded? Yeah, right. 1945 that your dad found, yeah, right? Yeah. My dad yeah. found this article in uh, uh, shout out Peter. Um, my dad found this article in sports illustrated and I have the article here. Yugoslavia's Alonskis first used to defeat Nazis are world beaters. It's fantastic. Right? So that's, that's uh, another little piece of different that, that Alon has um, in that we got our start building skis where the factory is located today. Yeah. And I didn't get a chance to show you it, but that stone building is still, on the campus. Oh, sweet. And it's now a, a studio um, where you shoot photography, video, product, stuff like that. Um, but founded in 45 by Rudy Finsgar. And they were, he was building, he and uh, the nine other people were building um, skis for partisan troops uh, to fight 
uh, occupying Nazis in World War II awesome. in Slovenia, right? That's, okay. a, that's a really, really unique feel. And then from there, it turned into like a passion project, right? This guy, skiing was his passion. He was a, he was a carpenter and a ski jumper. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he, the company was able to spin that into so many innovations because of the way they think. Like, hey, what can we do to make this better? Um, you know, you, I don't know if this came across, but like first company to screen print graphics onto, oh, really? onto a ski. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then first company, right, with uh, Cap Construction, MBX. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously SCX that we talked about a little bit earlier, the, the, the side cut revolution. Right. Um, you know, so. Well, I mean, you might just have to come out and say it. So like Alon came up with shape skis. Shape skis. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And take it one step further, there is a little bit of a lawn, whether it's a screen printed graphic or whether it's side cut, like there's a little bit of a lawn in every single pair of skis made today. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's that's really special, right? Yeah, that's really special. I mean, like this, this desire that, you know, Alon has had for years to just push the envelope on technology is the reason we have screen printing, shape skis, and I mean... And no Nazis. How how funny is... uh, Yeah, that's... (laughs) Yeah. And like, so... Shape skis got poo-pooed, you know, when they first came out. Like, oh, that's never going anywhere. Yeah, but anybody and, that was a good skier. <laughs> and and now um, you have the left-right thing. It's going to be really interesting to see, like, once that creeps its way into um, other people's, you know, um, collections. Yeah. yeah. One heart and mind at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that mu- well, we have to say this, too, because you know, I'm still thinking about the museum, is that Peter Kidd made the wall yep. of, 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 of fame. Legend. Yeah. Peter Kidd is our regional sales rep. Um, he's been a big proponent of Ski Monster for a long time. And it was cool to like be getting a tour of like Alon's Museum in Slovenia. And I turned the corner and Peter Kidd has got his, he's got his plaque on the wall. So yeah. I don't even, does he even know that yet or not? Yeah, he does. Oh, he so does. W- um, one of the trips that we took this summer in June was to take all of our sales reps there. It had been several years since they had been to the factory. Um, and, you know, COVID shut a lot of things down for us. And it was like really kind of that time to celebrate. Um, you know, things have been going pretty good for us and, and the sales reps, our, our team works so hard um, because it, it wasn't an easy job. If you look at where we were five, 10 years ago, um, you know, obviously I'm newer than that, but like to, to get there as a team, to build as a team, to, and to, to honor these actually three guys that have been with Elon for 40 years or more, 40, right. Selling, yeah. selling these skis and like to hear Peter talk about the development of the SCX is one of the coolest things that I've ever heard. Um, you know, what the process looked like, you know, what the perception in the marketplace w- was uh, at the time. And like, this wasn't going to be easy. And then it worked. Yeah. So, super fun. And it's awesome. So to be able to, to, you know, make them the first three members of it's the cool. wall of fame is a pretty yeah. awesome, right? Peter, if you're listening though, you got to get a new photo, dude, that, that photo on that wall of fame, they did you dirty on that one. But then, <laughs> then we found out that he actually sent it in himself. Yeah. So, if you are listening, send a new photo, Peter. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, Alon, man. It was um what what a time. And then, you know, going back to Ljubljana, real quick before before we actually, you know what? No, I have a question for you. Shoot. Because I follow you on social media, uh, and I follow obviously Alon on social media. Is it just a coincidence that there's always two people in the shot or I, I, I was, we were talking about it and you're like, or is that just the thing you guys do? No, that is something that is, if you open up our brand book, that is like one of the first things you're going to read, right? Because no solo back, shots, no solo shots, right? We're not trying to appeal to, um, you know, the individual accomplishment. 
right? Mm-hmm. We are we are appealing to friends. We are appealing to families. We are we are approachable. Um, you know, our our imagery is identifiable. Um, you know, by the by the end user. Um, and as much as we have rad skiers, like that's really not the, the drum we're beating, right? Because those aren't the people that are walking into your store and buying skis, right? right. You know, we need to talk to friends and family because that's the right thing to do. Um, and it's also you know, this goes back to, you know, how we do things. Sometimes we do things that are a little bit harder. Shooting doubles is one of the hardest things you can do, right? Because the timing for both skiers has to be perfect at the same time, right? They both need to be up on edge. Um, they both need to have great body position. It has uh, to be a left brain and a right brain person. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we shoot them both. We do the figure eight and the, on the same turn. Well, because but we, it's still we do, really hard. We do a lot of shooting now, you, you know, with, with our own stuff and just for one of us to get obviously a, a good shot yep. by ourselves with the lighting right, the skis up, graphics showing, all this stuff. I mean, that's difficult enough. Yep. So uh, to have two or three people in the shot, you know, w- w- to make it look like someone wants to buy what they're skiing on, yep. it's not an easy task. Yeah, it's hard. Very hard. Yep. All right, cool. I'm glad we cleared clear that up. Was that was that a Jeff idea? Um, Multiple people in one shot. You know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. It, that was a that was a policy that was in place. Um, before, I see, I see before him in his I got car there. right now listening but, to this, being like, "Yes, it yeah, was, yes, yes, it was, was. <laughs> yes, it was." But you know, uh, everything we do is collaborative, and yeah. like, you know, when you come to a when you come to a company like he did, um, you know, in a, from a previous life and from a previous trip that we went on, yeah. they, they're very different looks and feels, right? Oh yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, I I know that he has worked extremely hard to build this brand back up from the previous skis that we were talking about, mm-hmm. right? Those skis that, or the brand that people weren't aware of, you know, 10 years ago, like, Oh, where are they? Um, and it was just like products never been the problem, right? They, they clearly know how to build skis at a lot. Yeah. Um, we but, saw it, but like, what's the look and feel, right? Cause that's really important, right? You guys do it here on an, on a daily basis, right? Like the look and feel of ski monster is unique from brand X, Y, Z that's down the store. And like, you know, so I think we have a, a lot of similarities in that we focus on a, like providing a premium experience and a yeah. premium product. Yeah. So and it's probably he, why we he, get along so well. And he has, he, <laughs> and, and Jeff has, you know, orchestrated that, you know, for five, six years now, yeah. um, you know, legacy brand with new thinking is, is how he likes to put it. Dude, did we even like go over what Ben actually does at Elon? Um, we even say that? Or do we just dive right into I think this? We just, I think we just dove in. I think we went straight to baseball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, we can, we can talk about that. I guess. Yeah. Like if you had to say what you actually do it along, what, what do you, what do you do? That's an awesome question. Um, so then the title is product and marketing manager for the U S. Um, so those two items walk hand in hand, right? So I've got one hand in product and that is like doing market research, Right, looking at our collection of skis and finding what our strengths are and potentially what our weaknesses are, trying to identify holes in that lineup and like, how do we fix it? And when we go to fix it, like, what is that collection? Or is it a collection? Is it a ski? Um, what does it look like? What is the what is the side cut? Um, how much does it weigh? What does the graphic look like? Who's the end user? Right. So that's the product side of it. Um, you know, and it, that's like one of the most fun parts, right? You guys get a taste of this on a day, uh, on a yearly basis, at least like, you know, once a month you're out testing skis. Yeah. Right? Once, so once you've come up with that product idea and then, you know, figured out who that market is and like, okay, we do need this ski, like something we're going to see in, in, in not too long. Um, then get out and verify it, right? Find, find different types of skiers that get out and, and start collecting feedback. 
Um, you know, we did it last year at um, Ragged. At Ragged. Mm-hmm. Um, Great pizza know, spot there, too. Amazing pizza spot. And and just like a killer experience, right? Like The no, Stone right. Hearth, as Tyler calls it. <laughs> Private Hill, basically, that day. Um, and then, you know, getting a one-on-one and collecting individual feedback, yeah. right? Because we're not looking for BS, right? You know, or we're not looking for influenced opinions, right? You're not going to have a good product at the end of the day if you don't go one-on-one and get honest feedback. Yeah, and then you start to see the things that align, right? Like more zip in the tail. Like mm-hmm. for example, I think those are the word word for word. You guys use the exact same thing. Just a little more zip in the tail. Yeah. And like, boom, done. Um, you know, so that's that's the uh, the product part of it, and it does go hand in hand with the marketing side of things, right? So we've built these products. We've created a, something new, and how are we going to sell it? Like, what's it going to cost? Um, how are we going to promote it? Like, where, what, what retailers or what people are going to buy it? Um, you know, so that's the, so where in that process, right? Like, actually, let me back up. Yeah. So if you, if you come up with an idea for a ski, right, you have to, you, you pitch that idea like, oh, I think this should be a part of the collection or replace this part of collection, something like that. That happens. How long, if that makes it through the process until that ski hits the shelf? Um, a year to 18 months. You know, okay. it depends how depends how difficult the design process is. Um, you know, like Ripstick Tour, for example, um, the 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 newest ski that we have in the collection. Like Glenn is, in, and when I say Glenn Plake, everybody should know that, but not everybody does these days. But like Glenn is so uh, dialed on understanding the feel of the product that it's like, no, yeah. no, just a little more, just a little more, just a little more of this, just a little less of this. Yeah. Um, so that was like an eighteen month product. You know, from from the first discussion to like, hey. I just want to call you and let you know that I love this ski. So yeah. And other times, uh, you know, if you do, if you do really good homework and you submit a lot of like detailed data, um, you know, like if you have your target comparables, if you have your, uh, size curve figured out, if you have your turn radius, um, like those things can really start to fall into place, right? It can take a uh, nine months from yes to in the store. Yeah. Or at least on people's feet. So when you're pitching that ski to whoever, you probably also have to say like, "This is what we want to sell it for," and then they have to make that math. Yes. Work. Yep. You know, and it, it's backing into some forecasting stuff, which I don't do a lot of. Um, you know, we I have people that I work with, like Rob, who are much better at, at that job, or people like Jeff that are much better at that job. And but we all work together, right? When you when you you're with us, you're looking at the people who make decisions for the oh, US. Yeah. Um, You know, so coming up with that number and then pitching it to to Slovenia and they they go well maybe how many do you think you're going to sell right because you have to back that up like we know the product is good and we know that we can build it great but is it going to sell like does it speak in our voice and I think that was one of the things that like you guys helped us with last year is like do we have the voice for this product at this time and it was like yes yeah Yeah. where we maybe didn't four years ago yeah right now I guess it would be harder like with that if Slovenia is asking you that question, like how many do you think you can sell? It might be a product that they don't think they could sell in Europe or make sense there. So like, I mean, if it's a global product that like is really relatable to everywhere, you know, maybe it's an easier yes for them, but like in for some, sure. you'd have to push. Yep. I mean, we ski on wide stuff here. Yep. Comparatively. And yeah. it's in, and, and no matter how many we sell, you know, it's still like, really, do you sell that many wide skis or is ripstick 96 really like, that is that your number one seller? I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's right here in black and white. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's a big part of the 
the the development process. Well, a really cool part of it too is that when you do have a Ripstick 96 and it does what Ripstick 96 does, then you're able to have a louder voice and what else you need, yes. which is really fun. Yes, it which is fun. Is, which is something I think obviously everybody from every brand in our business wants. Yep. Especially in the North American market. Because once you have that key player, then you're like, okay, you know what else we need is this, this, and this. Yep. Things like four or five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to ask for what's coming up. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Europe's needs are different than our needs. And it's just a matter of like, how do we work together to so that everybody can benefit down the road? Right. And, and yeah. you know, Ripstick has done that for us. And and since since that product, like our relationship with Slovenia has gotten even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's coming up is definitely, you know, telling the story of the brand and answering a lot of the, the why questions. Yeah. Um, which is the whole kind of the whole mantra of, of, of Alon, which is really pretty cool. Yeah. Always good times and the why, you yep. know. Yep. The why. The why, which is yep. great. Um, yeah, so before we wrap here, we do we do have to talk really quickly about about the city of Slovenia on our on our last our, our last day uh, hurrah before we left because we we had a pretty awesome experience um, pizza wise, the best, the right? best, the best. If not if not the best, one of the best experiences of pizza. And we live in Boston, we live in the East Coast, we eat a lot of pizza. We've talked a lot about pizza on this podcast. We eat a lot of pizza at Ski Monster. I didn't think I'd have some of the best pizza I ever had in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Yeah, pops pizza not only just the best pizza but like how was that experience oh my god that was awesome, awesome. Like, like shout out to greg shout out to greg right like uh, show, is show up greg here's, yarkovich here's your here's your table um we you don't need menus yep um i'm just gonna start bringing stuff and you're gonna love it yep greg greg if you're listening dude you're the man appreciate yep. it and he, he set us up with everything that we needed and it was just like pizzas again way more <laughs> pizzas were coming out meatballs were coming out um, that we had like that, that pepperoni jalapeno honey pizza. Yep. Oh, the last one, the last pie. With no, like the no flavor explosion one. That one was, I don't remember what that one was called. Um, that was like a special one. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll send a special one. But no, but it was like, it was the jalapeno pepperoni with like honey. Mm. I was like, dude, this I, is I was incredible. tapped out by that last pizza and onto tiramisu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bowl of tiramisu. Yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two kilograms sticking with metric of tiramisu. Like that, that was a, that was a really special experience. Yep. And, uh, you know, when, when Jeff was like, Oh, we're going to get pizza. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, yeah. it's, it's fine. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. And I'm like, that's pizza. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. He's like, you're not excited enough. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get there. He's like, are you excited now? I'm like, this is very good. Thank you very much. This is incredible. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that so that was the best pizza I've ever had. But it was it's the number like forty three pizza place in Europe. In Europe, I think, right? Yeah, that's what he was saying. Yeah, vastly underrated. And he has another restaurant that we went to too. That's like Pop's Burger Bar. Yep, in in the city center, which is also really really awesome. Well, from somebody who spent a lot of time in Europe, the best burger in Europe. Well, he's an get, he's an American. Yeah, well, but Berkowitz and uh, Matura agree, right? The best burger, best that burger yeah. ever had yeah. in Europe. Yeah, because it takes an American. I don't know what that says. Best but, burger. Because we know burgers, dude. Maybe because it's in the shadow of a castle. Maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, we didn't even, we, we saw yeah. two how, castles. We didn't even is, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, how have we not talked about this? Like, we had beers okay. at multiple castles. Yeah, here, here, here's your day today, guys. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk skis for a while, right? Because that's super fun. Um, and then uh, maybe we'll, like, we'll go and do an activity like golf. And then um, this, uh, I think this afternoon we're going to go uh, kick it at a castle overlooking Lake Bled uh, over a couple of and there's, beers. And there's beers up there. Yeah, there's beers mm -hmm. up there. 
And uh, oh, by the way, you can see the factory, right? Yeah. See that little stack yeah. right there? You can see it, you know, from Lake Blood, right? Yeah. And that was someone's, I was reading on when we were up there, like that was someone, the, the, the ruling family of that area, that was their house for like 800 years. Ten, 800 years. Like 1010, I think, was the start of that <laughs> castle. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, oh my that's God. And they finally, and it turned into a museum in like the 1900, late 1800s. Yep. Crazy. Yep. And then where we are sitting there drinking unions, being like, this is a nice view. Like someone lived there for 800 years. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then another castle in the city, too. Yeah, there's just castles everywhere there. Yep. It's wild. It's the land of castles. It's the land of castles. Dragons Dragons. Also, right? Dragons protect the aquifer that produce the, the union. The <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the manhole covers when you're walking through Luviana, yep. I'll have dragons Dra on Dragons them. and castles. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. yeah, it's an amazing badass. place. All right, Ben. I think we, we covered a lot of ground. I'll speak for both George and Matt and say... Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It, it, it unreal, unreal experience. Thank you to to yourself, to Jeff, to Rob. You guys, you guys crushed it. Um, everyone at Elon that that let us walk around and Marco doing the tour, allowing us to be part of your guys' cowboy party and line dancing. The whole experience was nothing sort of incredible, and um, I'm really grateful for it. Got it. It's it's my pleasure, and it's it's thank you so much for the support. And it's like it's cool because like. I, I've known you guys since before the Elan part, so it's like kind of fun to sick. really yeah. like share a trip to Europe with your homies. It's oh, awesome, right? It's, like, yeah. it's, awesome. It, 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 it's so, not it's not real life, and not to drag it out too far. But I talked to Berkowitz a little bit yesterday, and like, if you told like ten and eleven year old Matt Berkowitz and Ben Fresco like someday that they were going to be you know gallivanting across Slovenia yeah. uh, because they have like they're working in the ski industry at a at a relatively you know respectable level, like. We would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With 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 cow with a cowboy yeah. outfit in your backpack. Yeah, with a cowboy <laughs> outfit in your backpack. Like, I would have been like, why do I have a cowboy outfit though? What what is where does that play into being in the ski business? <laughs> I know it's it's so surreal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it just pinch me job. You know, I think for all of us, right? It's it's yeah. Like this is what we do. Like it's wild. Today's work is. We come and chop it up about skis and like talk about <laughs> beers yeah. and castles. Yeah. Oh, we got to do like, a podcast, another podcast. Oh, what, what, oh, let's talk about the castles we were just in. Yeah. In the ski. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Dude, yeah, we're pretty fucking fortunate. We are. Yeah. The, I, the I, most. I think in the, I don't know where I read this. I just recently read it and I, and I thought it was really good. I think it might be in the free ski, the new free skier buyer guide. I, I could be butchering that. But it was a quote. It was like, you know, people bitching about all the things that are going on. It, but we're lucky enough to go skiing. And then I think a quote was like, if you're lucky enough to go skiing, dot, 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 you're lucky enough. Yep. And mm, I was like, that's absolutely. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. You're surrounded by people that like you're like-minded with. They love to do this sport. And it's like, what better way to spend time? Yeah. I feel like kind of the same way about golf, but like, Skiing well, you're is a like good a, golfer. Skiing is a whole different experience, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Different when you can't fucking hit a golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> it'll come. It'll come. Just, just, join, just join up. We'll play some more next uh, time. All right. Let's wrap there. Ben, thanks, man. Always good times. Uh, peace, y'all. Peace. Later.